Welcome to the IOMS podcast series, where we gather for conversations from top surgeons across the globe. In this series, we're exploring the history of the specialty from the unique point of view of each global region. How did the specialty evolve as a distinct area of practice? Who were the key players? Where's the specialty heading in the future? Stay tuned for insights into these questions and more. Let's listen in. Well, it's uh, certainly an honor for me. Uh, my name is Johan Reineke, and I speak to you from uh, the Netherlands, where I live at the moment. Uh, but I've spent uh, 45 years of my life, uh, my professional life, in, in South Africa, and uh, certainly the, the whole life in, in Africa. And I um, would like to thank our president of the International Association of Maxillofacial Oral Surgeons for this wonderful initiative of uh, recording at least the history of our profession worldwide. And it reminds me of a wise saying by Augusto Comte, in the, even in the 1700s, that said, one does not know a science completely without knowing its history. And I think by recording this history of our profession all over the world will certainly improve our science and improve the insight for us to develop our future. Another good saying by uh, Noah Horare uh, is historians study the, the past in order to repeat it, in order not to but liberate us from the past. So by looking at our history, we'll certainly improve our, our science and the development of our profession. So uh, I'm certainly honored uh, to moderate this podcast, and I would like to welcome our distinguished panelists here today. And uh, as we know that uh, Africa is a massive, large uh, continent with diverse cultures, languages, and various levels of development. However, we are fortunate today to to have a representative of Egypt, which is right on the north of our continent, and then again on the south, from South Africa, uh, on the southern tip of Africa. From the north, uh, I'd like to welcome and introduce you to my friend, good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Mohamed Ghanem from Egypt. Uh, during my uh, last, my recent visit to Egypt, where we gave an orthognathic course there, I was certainly in awe about the massive role that this country has played in the history of the world. And I'm looking forward to Dr. Ghanem's contribution regarding the Egyptian history of oral and maxillofacial surgery. It's also a, a massive honor for me to introduce you to another good friend of mine, uh, Professor Russell Lurie from South Africa. He's an individual whom I admire for his knowledge and experience and major contributions he's made to our profession in, in, in South Africa. And I'm very happy. I can't think of somebody more appropriate to be with us today. So lastly, uh, I'd like to welcome the president, the current president of the uh, Association of Olive and Maxillofacial Surgery of South Africa, uh, Dr. Sabir Singh, who is certainly leading our profession uh, in our country. So without any further ado, uh, I'd like to... Uh, Start the conversation by putting uh, Dr. Ghanem uh, in the in in the chair and asking the following: 
Unobstructive facial surgery is a speciality, and it's involved as a distinct area of practice. But it wasn't really always that way. When did orlomaxillofacial surgery distinguish itself as an area of practice, and how did that come to uh, without in, in your region, uh, uh, Mohammed? Yes, indeed. Uh, thank you very much, Professor Ranke, for uh, introducing me. It's such an honor uh, being introduced by yourself and uh, such an honor for me to share in this uh, podcast. Um, I do believe very much in the role of uh, AMS in uh, and its contribution of uh, in the field of oral maxillofacial surgery around the world. Let me start by saying that when I looked into the history, uh, um, uh, it was easily noticed that um, Cairo University had the first dental school ever in the Middle East, and it was established like here 1925. And um, uh, first of all, it was a part of medicine. It was not like a, 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 an isolated uh, yeah, uh, faculty. Then uh, it evolved into a separate entity, uh, the dental uh, faculty, uh, faculty of dental surgery. And then we had this uh, first uh, oral surgery department led by Professor Abdelaziz Dereni and Professor uh, Ayub Amr, uh, and which evolved later on into uh, the department of oral maxillofacial surgery. And we have like um, uh, all pioneers like uh, Professor Magid Amin, Professor Raghavir Bailey, and many, many others. Uh, which basically were maxillofacial surgery, uh, but single qualified. Uh, at the, around the same time uh, in Alexandria University, uh, Dr. Muhammad al-Sheikh and Dr. Hassan Badran uh, in 1967, uh, they established um, uh, the Department of Oral Maxillofacial Surgery after they came back from the UK uh, having the FRCS. Uh, and they had this um, starting like a small steps in uh, establishing a complete department of uh, uh, double qualified maxillofacial surgery practice. Um, around 1980 as well, uh, in Tanta University, um, he started a, a department over there, uh, or maxillofacial surgery as well. Uh, so it's it, it like evolved around the country where in each um, area was distinguished by um, a certain uh, practice uh, competency. Um, so you may find Cairo University pioneers in oral surgery and implants and trauma. You may find um, uh, in Alexandria University pioneers in plastic and reconstructive uh, surgery, um, uh, microvascular uh, uh, surgery, and things like that. So yeah, um, uh, we had like a starting point around uh, 1970s uh, where we established the practice until year 2000, when we had the Egyptian Association of Oral Maxillofacial Surgery uh, grouped everyone under its umbrella. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Mohammed. That's uh, interesting that it's actually a very new uh, profession, new association that's developed. Did you mention 2000, the year 2000, that you started your association? Yes, the two, year 2000, when the association uh, was initiated and was affiliated to the International Association Yes. In year 2001, uh, uh, with the Professor Sh uh, Sharif Mufti at uh, that time. Yeah. And I'm sure the International Association assisted you uh, to, uh, to establish such an association. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely right, actually. Uh, and, and the Egyptian Association had like a biannual conference, which was supported most of the time by, by the International Association. And they supplied us with um, expertise and exchanging of knowledge and 
and you know uh, uh, and faculty uh, so yeah, it was a very enriching time for us uh, uh, when we joined the international station thank you very much uh, professor Lurie, uh as i previously said that i i certainly admire professor Lurie because uh, he was certainly a stalwart in the uh, development of our association and a leader for many years and uh, I can't think of anything, any person better to give us some insight in the history of the South African Association's history. So, Russell, I'd really like you to tell us how we started our association and how we developed. Well, thank you very much, Johan, for your kind words. And um, I look forward to having a breakfast meeting with you one day. <laughs> let me get to the nub of what answers are required here. Dr. Ghanem, I'm sure, as a young maxillofacial and oral surgeon, you have delved into the past. And in my research, I found that the papyrus of Ebers, which was discovered in 1862, revealed that there were some 1,700 medical problems and there were 11 dental problems. And this went on to further the needs of oral and maxillofacial surgery. The specialty in South Africa actually followed after the Second World War. So what was done was initially trauma surgery from patients coming off the battlefields. The South African involvement also should pay homage and thanks to a gentleman by the name of Mr. Oppenheimer, Harry Oppenheimer, one of the dynamic diamond dealers who donated his house to the oral and maxillofacial profession as well as the plastic surgeons. And the two together formed a unit to manage the problems arising from the war in uh, Europe. The Brenthurst home continued to give succor and assistance to soldiers who were injured and who required attention. The one thing that came out of this was the need for a team effort, not just individual. So in 1949, it was proposed that uh, a specialty be instituted. Up to that time, the title of the specialties was plastic and oral maxillofacial surgery. Very sadly, the plastic surgeons were not happy with this, and they weren't happy that dentists formed part of the team. They were relegated to making splints and various other technical issues. And so the specialty eventually was recognized by the Health Professions Council of South Africa in the 
mid-1950s, and from there onwards, each group, maxillofacial and oral surgeons and the plastic surgeons, developed their own scope of work. And this is where I started my career, was at that time we had meeting after meeting after meeting with plastic and reconstructive surgeons as they were, um, I believe, afraid to involve the oral surgery people to the effect that they were able to motivate the Health Professions Council, that's the registering body of the professions in medicine and dentistry, they prevailed on the council to ensure that if somebody put up a brass plate and gave their name, John Citizen, with their degrees, Bachelor of Dental Surgery, etc., and in, in a bracket, dental. So the plastic surgeons just couldn't get, get away from this. With time, a new generation of plastic and reconstructive surgeons graced the academic corridors. And again, this time we went off to Cape Town. The, I was the leader of the uh, group that went to further politicize and meet with those that were not too keen on the dentists, in inverted commas, coming into the field. Well, I won't forget, it took about 48 hours till eventually the chairman of the council threw his arms up in, in desperation and said to the plastic surgeons, I'm going to recommend that we move on with this, and if you want to join the specialist group of various bodies of surgery, you would be more than welcome to, and this joining must be totally unconditional. And we all got a fright why this chairman of the meeting couldn't make his statement 10 minutes after we started, to this day I still don't know. But we it developed the streams of specialty maxillofacial and oral surgery, and plastic surgery. And ever since then, there's been a happy and contented association with each of the groups. Uh, the Health Professions Council, which is the overall body looking after the health of the patients of this country, made it clear that there must be no dilly-dallying, and a year later, a written document outlining a definition of the two groups and a scope of work that each discipline could lean on to and do. There arose then the medical aid movement which were financiers, businessmen, associates, the really big guns of society. And they established under the scope the fee structure of how practice should be run. And an interesting statistic came out of this is that 80% of the 
population did not have any medical aid, had no aid to getting financial help for treatments. About 18% of the population were on a medical aid scheme to get financial assistance for treatment. And then there was a group like Mr. Oppenheimer who did not require that sort of governmental assistance. Other changes that took place was the drive towards a dual qualification in maxillofacial and oral surgery. There is still the yeses and the noes that exist. And uh, there are, however, some of our colleagues in South Africa who went abroad and furthered their, their education and their techniques were more skilled, and they came back to South Africa where they are teaching head and neck surgery. I think this is a major breakthrough because it shows the strength of maxillofacial surgeons penetrating a market which they felt they belonged to as well. Running parallel to the fight and the successful result and outcome of doing head and neck surgery, Professor Kurt Buto, whose name is also well known in the IAOMS, drove the management of cleft palate problems. And this was another feather in the cap for the specialty of maxillofacial surgery. With all this, we had the politics of the country. Uh, I'm not going to talk about what was and what wasn't, but there were important decisions that arose out of meetings with government as well. Uh, there was an improvement in the technical facilities of one of the largest hospitals in the country, now called Chris Harney Baragwanath. It was an old military hospital, but today it is a 2,000-bed facility with the highest and most modern technologies. Some colleagues who have visited us in South Africa have said that unless a disease process or a problem did not come through Baragwanath Hospital, then it did not exist. And so... We sit back, and I certainly do, in admiration of the members of the maxillofacial profession in their strive to improve the health of the population. Unfortunately, as far as the rest of Africa is concerned, there is very little that one can speak of, and... Um, I was very, very happy to see the colleague from Egypt because between the Zambezi River and the Mediterranean, I don't think that there are formal education facilities for development of this question. And I'd be happy to take any questions that might arise. 
Thank you very much. Uh, uh, I'd like to ask Dr. Gunnam to also to just uh, his views on the uh, the fact that this hub uh, and network of education in, in Africa, uh, the uh, how important is it instrumental in the education of our young surgeons, and how uh, has the uh, the international association supported us? I can certainly detest to that because we've. Uh, uh, about three years ago, I organized an orthognathic course, international orthognathic course in, in uh, South Africa and Cape Town, and we had wonderful support from the International Association. And we had an international uh, conference in Cape Town, a tri triangular conference between uh, Australia, uh, Britain, and South Africa, also in Cape Town, and we had wonderful support. So I think the support is great. What do you think, uh, Dr. Ghanem? Uh, I totally agree with you. Um, maybe I mentioned earlier that uh, the Egyptian Association of Foramaxillofacia Surgery was established um, to year 2000. And, when, uh, and since we were affiliated to the International Association, we were able to um, uh, hold like a biannual uh, international conference uh, focused on oral and maxillofacial surgery. And most of the time it was supported by the International Association. And whenever we asked for their help or for their expertise or um, for um, uh, sharing uh, or even in advertisement, um, they give us a hand and they support us. And actually, um, I have to mention that I even uh, participated in, uh, in the conference uh, uh, endorsed by the International Association, um, and uh, we were able to host uh, Professor uh, uh, Ranike and Professor uh, uh, Jeff Posnick in the year 2019. And it was a huge support also from the International Association. Um, we do believe that the, the association is very important uh, to be affiliated to because it connects uh, all the surgeons and uh, all expertise all over the globe. Um, uh, since our association was established in the year 2000 with uh, Dr. Sharif Al-Mufti, head of association, till year uh, uh, 2015 or 14, and then after Dr. Nabil Faid and Dr. Abdul Fattah Sadaka, since then till now, um, the main goal was to um, uh, collect and uh, brace all the surgeons in Egypt and Middle East and make them affiliated to the worldwide connection through AIMS. Um, and we have touched the um, uh, the difference that it makes to be affiliated to a bigger group and feeling uh, the part of a, of a bigger family. Uh, and even that endorsed our uh, training uh, because we were also able to establish the Egyptian Board for Maxillofacial Surgery. Um, Yes. or the Egyptian Fellowship for Maxillofacial Surgery uh, since, the, since the year 2001. And, uh, and it's, uh, it has been growing as a, a strong entity uh, of qualification to make you practice oral maxillofacial surgery, uh, uh, especially for single qualified uh, dentists, uh, because it puts you into a training program where you have to be exposed to uh, medicine and general surgery, anesthesia and ICU and all the areas of deficiency that a normal dentist would have. Uh, so yeah, I, I do agree that um, the AIMS had gave us a good hand in developing and uh, establishing the practice. 
and we're looking forward for more cooperation and uh, more uh, improvement into the future for the sake of the um, the new surgeons and for the better care of the patients. Thank you very much, uh, Mohammed. And, and Dr. Sabir, Sabir Singh, the, the current president of our association, I'm sure you can, uh, can agree with uh, Dr. Ghanem that the international associations uh, back up and support in many ways uh, uh, strengthens our our training of our of our younger surgeons as well as uh, to develop and and to present different courses and different specialities uh, different super specialities. What severe? Do you agree with me? Uh, yes, Professor Edek, I agree with you. In fact, the International Association of All the Maxillofacial Surgeons, of which the South African Society is a member member society, has supported us very well. In 2001, we hosted the, we were very pleased to host the ICOMS in Durban. And in 2012, we were glad to host the Pan-African Congress of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery uh, in Cape Town. The IAOMS supported that meeting very well when several of the board members at the time attended the conference. And I think they had their board meeting there as well. Among those that came were uh, Dr. Pete Hayes, Dr. Larry Nissen, Dr. Stullinger, and others. Uh, also, the uh, fellow of the International Board Certification Exams in Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery. Uh, we have three South African um, uh, members that are uh, examiners on that board, and we have several of our uh, members that have taken those exams. So the support is, is great from the International Association. That meeting in 2012 with the African Association was very fruitful. And the African Association of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery has been formalized. The current president is Professor Imad Alimari from Sudan. And he is a very proactive gentleman. Uh, he has established contact uh, through WhatsApp and other channels. And he has a WhatsApp group of 253 members of the African Association. Now, the African Association of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery has eight regional African associations of, uh, that are part of them. Eastern Africa, Egypt, Ghana, Nigeria, Sudan, South Africa, Seychelles, Libya, and Tunisia. This WhatsApp group is extremely active with almost daily postings where members share cases. Uh, anyone who publishes an article will share their article with the group. And there's always feedback and interaction uh, on that meeting, on that group. We were planning another Pan-African Congress uh, meeting in Seychelles pre-pandemic, but for obvious reasons that had to be postponed. And now that restrictions around the world are starting to lift, perhaps the planning can resume for that meeting. Thank you very much. I think uh, uh, hopefully this virus will allow us also to travel a little bit more internationally and, and to spread the word and to, to develop our, our profession in South Africa or in Africa much more. Well, yes. uh, looking, we've looked at the history now. Uh, uh, Professor Luria, I'm going to ask you your views on, on the future. The, where are we going and with, uh, with our profession in Africa? And uh, with this, how can the IMF 
support support our uh, our profession in in this big large continent which remains the dark African continent. Uh, thank you very much. I um, was bowled over when I heard of all the different methodologies and apses that connected the people of Africa. What concerns me a little bit is that I haven't heard of the methods of academia. Where are these colleagues that start off as dentists, pick up a more advanced degree or certificate of additional training to show that they are in fact um, maxillofacial or oral surgeons. It was very difficult for me in searching Professor Google's book to find if there were formal societies of oral and maxillofacial surgery. Hopefully I'll pick it up from Dr. Singh. Where are we going to? To give you some idea, I saw a program on BBC News where it was stated that there are some 25 doctors for 26,000 of population in Kenya. And certainly oral and maxillofacial surgery is just a microcosm of the provision of health care. So one has to drive and have business moguls uh, sell some of the yachts in the Mediterranean that currently are not very welcome and make money to set up teaching facilities, formal teaching facilities. And it will still take 10, 20 years for formality to the profession to reach maturity. Where did South Africa begin? Take, for example, orthognathic surgery. The big name I remember was one by the name of um, Ovigiza, Hugo Ovigiza. He was a major stimulating factor. And at that time, a lot of the treatments of patients were coming out of Europe as well as the United Kingdom. And slowly, with time, the Americans joined in. So a big family of maxillofacial neural surgeons developed. And this is still very functional today. We also have to remember that doing additional degrees costs money to both the state in which they are in and to themselves as individuals, many of whom may have families following marriage. And so the IAOMS can certainly be of value in establishing strong connections with the groups mentioned by Dr. Singh. It was only this bonding will enhance the specialty, it will enhance the understanding of what the specialty can provide and certainly give 
those that took the step to follow the specialty of oral and maxillofacial surgery into the light, no longer allowing them to sit in the background under a dim light. Thank you very so, much, Russell. Appreciate it. It's uh, your contribution. Sevir, uh, uh, have you got any ideas about the future? How do you see the future in our continent, the future of our profession in our continent? Prof, I think it's going to be growing. I think it's a bright future. Uh, if I just look at the communications that consistently come through that uh, African WhatsApp group, uh, some a lot of a lot of African uh, surgeons have gone abroad to seek extra knowledge. There are regular postings that come out of Seattle and other places. So, and again, uh, as Professor Luri mentioned, uh, advances into head and neck uh, surgery as well as uh, cleft lip and palate is taking place. And I think that the future is bright. Uh, there's a willingness among these surgeons to cooperate and there's a willingness among them to learn and to grow and, and hopefully to make our mark beyond Africa. Thank you very much. Uh, Dr. Ghanem, what, how do you see the future in, in the northern part of Africa? Well, um, I think that um, um, uh, especially in Egypt and the Middle East, like, like there is a formulation of new health system where, where um, everyone uh, would like to have um, uh, like a, an international uh, level of uh, care. Um, and I see that uh, we used to have uh, problems. We used to have problems between, you know, single qualified and double qualified um, maxillofacial surgeons who had their training in uh, academics and uh, maxillofacial surgeons where they had their training in uh, clinical uh, training programs. But what I can see that nowadays, there is a huge collaboration between every party. And, and um, instead of uh, having, uh, you know, um, a surgeon that does it all, we're, we're seeing now like super specialities um, where you find some uh, surgeons, they're doing only orthognathics, others doing only uh, free flaps and, um, you know, microvasculars, uh, where others will be specialized in cliff different palates. Um, others will only focus on oral surgery and um, implant dentistry. Um, so I, I can, uh, anyway, and I can see that um, it's, it's, this is a, uh, for a better care of patients and, um, and, uh, and it will end up with, you know, uh, appreciating the specialty more and more is going to grow uh, better. Um, especially with the, you know, I think uh, with the era of COVID um, and uh, we, we used to have like um, online consultations, follow up with patients uh, distantly. Uh, so that raised the patient awareness and the, now they look for um, expertise in each uh, specialty. So I, it opens more opportunities. It does not limit the field. It, it opens more opportunities to um, practice. And I, and I do agree with, uh, with Dr. Lurin and uh, Dr. Singh is going to be um, a bright future. And uh, we just want to, you know, uh, open our hearts and minds for it and, uh, and hope for the best. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, I this makes me think of what uh, Sir Isaac Newton said uh, once. He said, I see further. It's because by standing on the shoulders of giants. And I think fortunately in, in, in Africa and in South Africa, I can detest, we have giants. We have people that, that has excelled and have 
taught younger surgeons and has furthered our profession. And uh, in my mind, I think we have a real bright future. I think the the, the fact that our our current president of the International Association, my my dear friend, uh, Dr. Alex Martinez, in my view, he's a giant. The fact that he's uh, initiated this uh, conference or this uh, idea of looking at the history of our profession, uh, we can only take the best from our past and build on that and make sure that we we recognize the worst in our profession and, and forget about that. So I think uh, after this, uh, I think a valuable contribution from, from my continent, um, I'd like to thank the participants very much uh, and uh, hope to see you sometime in future here in the Netherlands where I, know, where I now reside. Uh, thank you very much for everybody, and uh, goodbye. Thank you again for joining us today. Visit us online at www.iaoms.org to become a member of our vibrant global community and to access a variety of education and timely resources. Stay up to date by following IOMS on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast while you're here so you're the first to know when new episodes are released. Until next time.